Our scripture reading today is from the second book of Samuel, chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain upon your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice. The daughters of the uncircumcised will, will exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor bounteous fields. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled. The shield of Saul, anointed with oil no more. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, nor the sword of Saul return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you with crimson in luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. How the mighty have fallen. Those were the words uttered by King David upon hearing the news about his predecessor, Saul, who was who died in battle. The story is that King Saul went into battle with his troops against the Philistines, and his army was defeated soundly at a place called Mount Gilboa. And as the enemies pressed in on him, he was badly wounded and decided to take his own life. Saul fell on his sword. Now David hears the news from a messenger. And this means that he will be king. And that's when he lifts up this lamentation, which we heard just a moment ago. And it concludes with these words, Your glory, O Israel lies slain on the high places. How the mighty have fallen. I wonder if a similar sentiment is being uttered by any number of you who suffered significant losses this past year. And it may be that these people were not powerful political figures in your life, like King Saul or somebody who ruled over a nation or led troops into battle. It could be that they were not even known by a wide circle of people, but they were people who made their mark on you. And so, in a very real sense, for you, the mighty, have departed from your midst. Maybe you wonder, how are we supposed to respond when we suffer significant losses in our lives? You know, your lives have changed, and your outlook is different. You know, in one of my previous congregations in Mansfield, uh, there was a couple in my congregation, and uh, they were so looking forward to Bill's retirement. He was a, uh, a pharmacist, and so she constructed a paper chain 
with 365 links on it, a year out from his retirement, and each day she would snip one of those off. And the idea was, once they got to know links in that chain, it, it was time to celebrate. But about halfway through the year, Bill got sick, and he died. And he, they weren't able to fulfill their plans. And that chain never came down off that wall. She kept it there. What do you do when the mighty fall? Something I noticed about David upon hearing the word about Saul is that he openly expressed his grief. He acknowledges the very real pain that Saul's death has caused him. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul. You know, as the new king, David wants everyone to know that he laments the loss of Saul's life. He personally and they, as a people, have lost somebody of significance. And by expressing his grief, he gives other people permission to grieve as well. You know, he says to them, daughters of Israel, weep over Saul. We are told that he actually rent his clothes, which was a sign of deep mourning and remorse. All the others did the same. It says here they mourned and they wept. They fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. Now this was a deep show of respect for Saul and he, you know, he very deliberately expresses that respect in full view of others. Could be that there are people in your life who need that same encouragement. They may not feel that they have permission to express their, their grief until they see you expressing yours. Grief is the appropriate response in the face of loss, and I believe you know, God gives us every permission to do that. Remember that with Saul's death, David was now king. Would this be a show of weakness if he showed grief? No. Precisely because he was in the position of king that the people needed to see that. I think too often we equate a strong faith with a stiff upper lip. And that we go through the storms of life without expressing our vulnerabilities. But scripture doesn't back that up. Something else to remember is that Saul and David were not close personal friends. They, in fact, were adversaries. David was popular among the people to the extent that Saul was threatened by David. And there were times when David had to flee for his life to escape the wrath of the jealous Saul. But somehow in Saul's death, David was able to put this all behind him. There's a world of meaning that the messenger bearing the news about Saul, he carries two prominent symbols. And one is this, the crown of the king. The messenger carried that in his hand. He said he removed it, in fact, from Saul's head himself. And then there is this. This is an armlet. It looks like a ring, but it's actually worn on the, on the arm. And these two items here... These two pieces, they represented the authority and the power of the king. And now these belonged to David. 
Oftentimes you would see the king with his crown on, and then he would raise his arm, and you could see the ringlet on that arm. And now these belong to David. He had won over his adversary, yet it's no personal victory for him that Saul, who blocked him from the throne and tried to kill him on occasion, was gone. You you don't see David calling for a festive holiday, as he could have done. He truly grieves over this great man, however flawed he may have been, and he allows the others to grieve as well. When you allow yourself the opportunity to grieve, that often allows you to put your hurts and your resentments to rest. David and Saul never reconciled while Saul was alive, but in expressing his grief, they were reconciled in his death. But more than simply grieving, I see David celebrating Saul's life. He refers to Saul as God's anointed, and he continued to revere Saul and his name. Referring to Saul and his son, Jonathan, he says they were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. He wants everyone to know their lives, and what they meant to other people. They were worthy of praise. And when you share a life with another person, the influence of that person's life has shaped you into the person that you are. And we must never forget the good things we have received from the people that we have known and are no longer with us. And that's why we have this day, All Saints Observance, to remember those who have run the race before us. A day to remember the saints, great and small, who were well known to others or maybe only known to a few. This is a day we say we won't forget. David knows he's now king. The crown and the armlet are his. He must take responsibility for what that office is. He had to rally his armies, establish a government, stabilize the kingdom. David would establish himself on the throne, and eventually he would rule for 40 years. He would be known as the greatest king, the one who set the standard for all the others. It was not enough for him to grieve over Saul or to celebrate his life. He then had to move on and embark on the life which God had in store for him now that Saul was gone. That is what we must do as we both celebrate and grieve the loss of the saints who have gone before us. You know, the worst thing you could ever say to a great servant of the Lord when their lives are ebbing away from them, you never want to say to them, we won't be able to go on without you. That's not what they want to hear. I think of the Father Damien, the, the great missionary priest, who felt called to serve a colony of lepers in Molokai. Eventually, he himself contracted the disease and died. But that didn't put an end to his ministry there. His life inspired others to go there and to continue that ministry. Or I think of Mother Teresa when she died in 1997, her ministry to the untouchables in Calcutta. It didn't stop. They honored her by continuing 
that ministry. Think about those people in your life who have been the difference makers. A mother, a father, a son, a daughter, husband, brother, sister, or wife. Those qualities that enriched your life while they were a part of it are the same qualities which empower you to move forward as they are not a part of it now. So when the mighty fall, yes, we grieve. Yes, we celebrate their lives. But we put our eyes forward and fix those eyes ahead. Because that's what they would have us do. This is what Jesus would have us do. Jesus said, in this world there is grief. There is heartbreak. There is pain. But take heart. I have overcome the world. In in Jesus, grief does not have the last word. Jesus said this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Amen. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think, to him be the power and the glory now and forever in Christ Jesus. Amen. And amen.